welcome y'all to Backwards Obscura, a podcast dedicated to the lore, legends, and myths surrounding the creatures that may lurk in your backyard. My name's Hewitt. And I'm Chris. Hey, Chris, how you doing, man? I'm making it. You know, uh, long week, but... Same, same. Uh, y'all might be hearing in the background... Uh, why I'm up at three or four a.m. every morning? It's not. It's not the cryptids. It's never the cryptids, really. I sleep through the cryptids. Bigfoot's at your window. You, you got any mail? I need a dollar. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. So it's I got early morning slash late nights. It depends on how you look at it. But uh, so I got one for you. Uh, have you heard of Comte Jacques Saint Germain? I don't think I have, actually. Okay, have you heard him called Count Jacquez St. Germain? I've heard of St. Germain. I think that is, but I, I don't know what it's about. I just know it's... I mean, there, there's a couple places you could have. I mean, there's there, there's the story I'm going to tell you about. There's the liqueur named St. Germain. Oh, yeah, of course. And there's also St. Germain from the Castlevania series, uh, games and movies. Oh. Uh, introduced in season three, he was the most interesting man alive because he knew what toilet paper was. I need to finish that series. I'm on, I, I'm like a third of the way through season two. It's season two where they go up against Dracula. Dope. Season three and season four, still really good. It gets a little lulled and then they bring it right back. It's, oh. They bring in like a, with that one, they, they take the original Castlevania three for a lot of it, but then they start bringing in a little bit of Lords of, uh, I think it's Lord of Shadows, which was uh, almost a direct sequel to it. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, before I get distracted with that, um, Count Saint Germain is New Orleans's supposed uh, ranking vampire lord. Oh, okay, so that's where I heard it from. Yeah, I mean, he's they, they mentioned him several times. I've used him in the uh, the Dresden game that I run off off stream for uh, some of the members of TBA. Uh, but uh, before I talk to you about the vampire story. I'm going to tell you about the real, possibly real, we don't know if it's his name, uh, Count uh, Jacques Saint Germain. Because uh, the the human character that may or may not have become a vampire is so freaking interesting because it's just weird. Okay, so is his name really Count? Does he really have... Uh, that's something we're going to talk about. There's, there's, uh, there's some suspicious stuff. Uh, about uh, good old Jacquez. Okay, well, let's get into it. So, uh, he uh, was born sometime between 1691 and 1712. We're not sure. Uh, he was a European adventurer, an alchemist, and a spiritualist. So, so he, he was just like a medicine man of the era. Mm, yeah, that, well, that's a nice way to put it. We'll go with that. Well, and, and, I, and I say, like, medicine loosely here. We're talking about like the late 1600s, early 1700s. So well, yeah, we're talking about the early 1700s here. Uh, it's like not even miasma theory was really a thing yet. Well, we're still looking at the humors and leeches at this point a yeah. little bit. Mm. Uh, but he had multiple aliases. He was the Marquis de Montfront. He was Comte Bellemare, Count Weldon, Count Sokotov, or Prince Francis II uh, Rakosi of Transylvania. I mean, okay, so wait. I, I, I'm not European, but some of those names are kind of feel jumbled together. Um, so there's a marquis, lesser noble. Comte is the French word for count. 
Uh, and then Prince, he was supposedly the crown prince of the king of Transylvania, Francis I. Uh, illegitimate son, by the way. Um, his dad would never claim him in a thousand years. Okay. Yeah. I see what kind of guy this might be. Yeah, in my notes, sus, sus, sus. <laughs> uh, also, there were claims that he might be 500 years old. Voltaire. So, this this dude, he's real. He was real. Yeah. As in, he walked and talked and met people. He, is a fle- he was a flesh and blood person. Right. And uh, he met Voltaire, who called him the man who cannot die and knows everything. Well, that's, uh, I mean, if Voltaire said it. High society loved this dude. He had tall tales. He knew things about science. He knew things about manufacturing. He seemed to be a dude who knew a little bit about everything and knew how, like, this is a motherfucker that put, like, all his points in charisma. Like, it feels like, it almost feels like he's trying to be, like, a renaissance man, in a way. A little bit. More like enlightenment man. Like, he's he's really right yeah, in that. Man. I mean, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, well... This would be before the Enlightenment, would it be? Or? Right, right in the right in the Enlightenment period. Okay. Yeah, but the 1700s, I, I guess, yeah. But I get what you mean with the Renaissance man. Mm. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off with that. Damn you, Hewitt. Damn me. But here's the deal. Was he a con man? Or was he actually the Prince of Transylvania trying to avoid the Habsburgs who were trying to incorporate the territory? And his father had sent him away to keep him safe. Uh, I'm going to lean towards Codman, but this other one yeah. makes a really good... Like, listen to the story for this background. Listen to this 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 dude's pedigree and education, his vita, if you will. So, apparently, he was educated by the Les Medici as a tutor. He also attended the University of Signa in Italy. So, he got a really good education. Again, he might be the heir to the Transylvania throne, but also... He has credibility with this education because he seems to know... A lot of things. Know so much. So, by 1740, he is going by Count Jacques de Saint-Germain. He also contributed to music and playwrights in England. Like, this dude could pick up an instrument and supposedly listen to it by ear and then play it fairly decently to, if not well. He was also apparently a polyglot, which means, you know, he could just learn languages. Which, I'm jealous of that. Like, I, I barely speak the one that I was born with. Now, this dude also has a resume that's... Uh, he, he's got a resume for some folks that he worked for. Uh, he worked as a diplomat and a advisor, in quotation marks, ah. for Louis XV of France. That's... That's... That's yeah, he, a, that's a... Yeah, he, uh, he did some envoy work for... Yeah, the, I, I mean, he's getting around. I mean, if it... Okay, if anyone's getting around like this, either... You know, they got like a 25 in charisma or, you know, they have some credentials they can just pull out of nowhere. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, But also he is going to set up factories in the Netherlands making glass, uh, which that's not... Like, he actually knew how to make glass and to do like leaded glass and also do ceramics. So, like, he when he got done working for Louis, he went to the Netherlands and started working in factories or opening factories. Again, going back to like... The man of many talents, sort of, very, sort of thing, like the Renaissance man. Very, very much so. Like, like it, it seems like he's just jumping around. He knows all these things about different little things, and then he's like, "Yeah, I know how to play instruments and blow glass, uh, and now I'm going to make a factory." Where did he, did he have like the capital to do that? I mean, I guess that's he not always really... got investors. 
Oh. He, he, he would throw some money around, like occasionally he would drop a diamond, but that diamond had come from Louis the Fifteenth. So ah. there's there's some like he supposedly was wealthy and it was it, it was always in another banker. He'll get it. He has to go get a promissory note because he doesn't carry it on him because you don't want somebody to steal it. You know what I mean? Hmm. So I mean, uh, and from there he ends up working or creating a factory for the uh, Prince Charles of Hesse Castle. He's in German, and they're secret society buddies. And the, I'll get into the secret society stuff, but I mean. It's the 1700s. He's hanging out with rich European nobles. Yeah, I, they're they're in these groups. This is yeah. when the Illuminati actually existed, not the bullcrap people talk about today. Yeah, and I imagine like him just like basically just going in there and just like blowing smoke up these people's asses and making them feel really important. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And this is the reason why a lot of people think he's a con man because he quote unquote died in 1784. Wait, so. So he quote unquote died in seventeen seventy four. There is a grave for him, but there's some weird stuff about okay. the grave. Yeah. So seventeen seventy or seventeen? So, sorry, seventeen eighty four. Seventeen eighty four. Yeah, I misspoke. Uh, so but, that would make him roughly in his eighties or nineties when he died. Yeah, somewhere between seventies and seventies and nineties. So big gap there. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't know. But that's if he was, still. That's. Well, I mean, there's a twenty year time period for when he might have been born. Yeah. I mean, still seventy years old. That's. That's pretty good for those days. That's pulling a Franklin. That's, yeah. That's definitely pulling a Ben Franklin who lived to be like 80. Anyway, uh, when they started going through his estate, all they found were paid receipts and unpaid receipts. They never found the gold. They never found the jewels. They never found any of that. But he always told stories that, again, he didn't keep it on him. It was in a bank. And he didn't bank with normal folks. He banked with the Swiss who had procedures. Now, to be fair, these Swiss banks, especially in the 1700s, did have procedures. And if you weren't on the account... You ain't getting in. Doesn't matter how well you knew the deceased type situation. Now... So is this a situation where, like, everybody was, like... It was like a treasure hunt situation where everyone's after his... For a little while, yeah. There's there's several folks that tried to track down. But kind of the conclusion was this dude had to have been, probably was, like, the, the, the real point, was that St. Germain probably was the illegitimate son of a noble who, while not claimed, his his father sent him to get an education. And then he had to make his way in the world, and so he was a very smart man, a very skilled man, but it's one of those that he also had an expensive lifestyle. And this, yeah. is, a, this is a trope we've heard in so many stories it's like uh, even in like Game of Thrones the dude in Quarth like they open up his vault and the vault's actually empty yeah. it's not a spoiler if the book's 25 years old I, I stand by that that the book's 25 years old and the TV show hasn't been that episode hasn't played for a decade it's not a spoiler no I'm just thinking about the age of that damn yeah so I mean so there's a good chance that all he was was one of the best con men of the 18th century now he was into some odd stuff, but let's be honest, rich white dudes are always into odd stuff. Yeah, I mean, and and we're talking about the 1700s here. Uh, while spiritualism wasn't a thing, well, then, yeah, it was like, when you think of spiritualism, you usually think of like 1850 to like 1920. That's true. Like the, the modern, like, uh, gives birth to the Dunwich horror type spiritualism. Yeah. 
But I imagine there was he was into some spooky things. Well, I mean, it's it's like the Masons, and then Ben Franklin was in the Hellfire Club, which was rich British people who went out to a cave, got drunk, and had sex. I, mean, I remember a Ghost Hunters episode where they're like they go to the Hellfire Club area to do a, an investigation, and they played it up like. This is where they did satanic rituals. It's like, nah, they probably just drank and had sex. They probably had a devil costume on just because, mm-hmm. ooh, look at me, I'm wearing the devil's mask. It's, it's the same shit for swingers at, like, a Halloween party. Except these were rich white British guys. Yeah, and the ladies of the evening that they brought with them that were sworn to secrecy. but And plus Ben Franklin, who didn't keep anything fucking secret. Do you think Jack the Ripper was in the Hellfire Club? Uh, maybe because there's, there's the chance that, and we could talk about that one later once we've exhausted all of our uh, local type stuff. But there's a chance Jack the Ripper was uh, became the king of England because he might have been the oldest son of Queen Victoria. Oh, that's there's, interesting. There's talks about that, but there's also a chance it could be his illegitimate son that was also that. Well, getting back, but getting back <laughs> to what we're talking about, uh, Saint Germain held the title of Ascended Master. And was known for being a spiritualist and a new age teacher back in the 1700s. So this is like old school new age, which old new age sounds weird to say. Hmm. Uh, but after his death, because he was into this stuff, and he was in so he was in like the dude who was in every weird club. Like it, I get some Aleister Crowley vibes from this guy just a little bit with uh, some really? of the things that he was into. Or like Anton, well, Anton LaVey was just a spooky atheist. But, yeah, it's, but you know, like the, like, let's go to alternate religions. Let's look at ancient lost knowledge. It's it's the reason why, and I know you love Egyptian stuff, but every time someone starts like, Egyptian this, Egyptian that, I'm like, oh my God, is it real? Or did you find like crystals at Books A Million? Well, yeah, that's half of like Egyptian. Like when someone brings up anything Egyptian, it's usually like, like bullshit. It's I, just. I, yeah, I, I hold, like when anybody brings that type of stuff out, it's one of those of, I don't want to be mean and I don't want to judge you. However, I am both being mean and judging you at the moment, and I apologize. I'm trying to be better about that, but you also just tried to sell me some grade A hogwash. And if, if you actually believe in that, prescribe to that. I'm not trying to belittle it. I'm talking about like the people who, like, it's like the ancient alien theory type stuff, like the, the old school. Our spirit science, like yeah. that. Where they're like, yeah, there's holes in your brain, and you gotta, you gotta channel the vortex in your chakra. It's like, what the fuck is this? Okay, let me rephrase it. I really dislike it when like white dudes and white ladies like appropriate like they read a magazine that mentioned oh, Egypt yeah. once, and then they try to base like a whole new age religion off oh, of it. So, we're, so cultural appropriation, it, like in, in a the, sense, the, the scam religion stuff. Yeah, that, that popped up. Like remember, like in the the '90s when they had the infomercials for like the energy of raw type things. Yeah, yeah. And again, I'm not trying to disparage anybody who actually still worships the old gods. It's just that I dislike it when someone tries to appropriate it to to well hawk something. Yeah. And this guy kind of gives me some vibes like that, kind of like Crowley did, or like he was you know the power that got he got from it by being in charge of a group kind of thing, but. Once he died, a whole bunch of weird stories started coming up. Because remember, he made the... Okay, I'm pretty sure he got drunk. I'm 500 years old. That's how I know all this. You know, like, I'm sure like... But then he said it so many times, people go, well, hold on. So there's a theory he was Francis Bacon from the early... From the late 1500s or the 1600s. The the British philosopher 
and uh, if you've played video games, a lot of times time traveler, like uh, he's supposed like he might have invented the alchemist stone. That's actually one of the things that Vault or not Voltaire, but uh, one of the things that Saint Germain was believed to have done is to have created. So, so the, the alchemist he, stone. So he killed a bunch of people to make. No, no, not it's not it's not FMA style level. He's, okay, okay. It could be. Anyway, uh, also there's a chance he was Shakespeare. People thought he was Shakespeare because he was such a good playwright. And okay, he, so he was a playwright too. Yeah, like he could. He he was like you said, he's a Renaissance man. But the thing is, is that wait, can, let me ask you this: Are there any of his plays today? I think it was more like he added. I think he made better. He was the he he judged everything up just a little bit, and everybody thought it was amazing. Uh, he's like, like I, the I, gravy on the rice. No, no, he did he did create some songs. I didn't write them down, but uh, if you go online, you can find that he did he did write music, and it was like I said, he was rumored to be able to just play just about anything after just messing with it for a little bit. Now, uh, people claim to have met him in the 1800s, the 1900s, and all the way to 2011, they've claimed that they've met so there's St. Germain. There's actual encounters. Right. With... Well, also, late 1800s spiritualists, someone like, mm. I am St. Germain. And the next thing you know, all the rich Gilded Age ladies are now mm. coming to his seminar and buying his, the Tony Robbins of the era. I'm just now. I'm just picturing Houdini in the 1900s, like going up to a dude beating the shit out of him. It's like you ain't Saint Germain, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> but also, uh, there's claims that he might even been the Greek poet Hesiod or Merlin. So, like after he died, people just fed into this and fed into this and fed into this because this was just a weird dude, like. He was Mr. Bullshit for the 1700s for, like, French and European high society. He knew a whole lot. He was skilled. He had a lot of abilities. And uh, when it comes to his death, people knew that he died? Or? Most, most people accepted that he died, but other people are like, oh, that he didn't die. You couldn't kill Voltaire. He's the man that can never die. Hmm. So, like, they wouldn't be surprised if St. Germain, like, like, oh, he died. Wait till the next party when he comes. Dude, it's going to be killer. He's gonna, he'll probably pop out of a coffin. Okay, so it was that sort of thing. There's some people that probably believe that, but there's a lot of people also like, that dude straight up is just dead. Because, I mean, there's people who hated him because they felt he was a con man, and let's be honest, he probably... Probably was. Ockram's yeah, razor. The, he was. And I imagine just people out of sheer spite, there are, there were a lot of haters out there that someone like that is going to steal the oxygen in the room. So there's probably a lot of people that's like, yeah, that she was fucking dead. Yeah. Now, here's the deal, though. I think that's what leads into the actual supernatural story and what connects him back to Louisiana. So there's all this weird stuff about him. And then all of a sudden in 1902 in New Orleans, this flamboyant Frenchman who goes by the name Jacques or Jacques, uh, Jacques St. Germain. I was about to say Jacques again because I got like I talked about him in one of my classes and my kids like that's not Jacques, that's Jacques. I go to school with a Jaquez. And I'm like, okay, we will call him that. But Jacques de Saint Germain all of a sudden is in New Orleans in 1902. And he immediately is throwing huge parties with all the rich people of New Orleans. Sounds very familiar. Mm. He has wild stories of all these crazy things he's done in the last little while because, I mean, he survived like at least 40 years. I mean, he was in his 40s, if not 50s, when he showed up. 
So he survived. He was like around when Napoleon the Third was the Emperor of France, uh, Emperor of France, the Third Empire, the Second Empire, and like the the Franco-Prussian Wars and like the unification dealing with the unification of Germany. Like he had all these wild stories, and like he traveled the world and told people these things. But the weird thing is, is nobody ever saw him eat the food. He only ever drank from special wine bottles. And he said, you go ahead and eat. I had something earlier. Or I can sustain myself on alcohol alone. You know, like, everybody's like, look at this Chad, you know. Okay, so I I see where this is going. Well, one of two ways. Yeah, and he's also noted for being a shameless womanizer in the early 1900s. I mean, that's... That's not that like they're probably like oh you're the man now dog kind of bullcrap. Well hell we were that way what ten years fifteen years ago for the most part for America. Yeah. So he was womanizing, but the thing is, then people go, we only really see him at night. He doesn't really like. We asked him to come to church, and he said, I'm not into that. I don't I don't prescribe to that. I am my own religion kind of thing. And it's like man, this dude is wild kind of shit. Like when they were when it's the response. But then one night. Um, a lady jumped out the second story window of his home. Oh, and, no. And the cops walking through the streets, which this is the part that's the most unbelievable to me. I would believe there's a vampire in New Orleans before I would believe, even in the early 1900s, the NOPD patrolled anywhere. Oh, yeah, that's true. Hashtag not sorry, NOPD. Um, so but she jumped out the window and claimed that he tried to bite her on the neck. Like, she knew he was a freak, but not... Not like, like, like that. She, she was bleeding, even. Like, he had bit oh. hard enough to break the skin in some stories. Some stories she dies at the hospital later, at Charity mm-hmm. Hospital. But I, I was going to ask, is this one of the things where it's just like her body is just out there? Or no, no, she, she talked to the cops, and the cops are like, hold on. And they go and knock on his door, and he comes out, you know, bathrobe mm-hmm. open, glass yeah. of wine. And the cops are like, hey, um... Now I'm just picturing him as the what's his name and fucking what we do in the shadows. No, just think Asterian from uh, Baldur's Gate Three. Oh, there you go. I'm That's getting more one. vibes of that from him. Like, so it's one of those like the cops go, "Hey, this lady just jumped out the window and said you bitter neck." I got a little bit carried away in the heat of the moment, guys. You know, a little bit of a little bit of a, a, a nip and squeeze situation. And they're like, oh, you. Uh, however, yeah, she's actually bleeding, so we got to take her to the hospital. But tomorrow, we need you to come in and give us a statement. Because right now, bro, you are way too drunk. He's like, ah, yeah, I am. So I'll see you tomorrow. I'll be there. And uh, lo and behold, uh, we have uh, no show at the police uh, station. Uh, of course. And of course. So eventually, the cops go into his house. And uh, it's, on, it's actually, we've gone by here a couple times. It's on the corner of Ursuline and Royal. Uh, it's a very big red brick building, Spanish oh. Spanish architecture that is in the French Quarter uh, everywhere, which anybody listening, if you didn't already know this, 90% of the French Quarter is actually Spanish architecture because when the 1700s fire burned through, New Orleans was owned by Spain, so they rebuilt it the way that they built all their cities. So, fun, fun little tidbit for that. But uh, So they get in and like there is nothing in the house. Like furn- oh, Let me phrase it. Furniture's there. But like no clothes, like there's no staff. Like that's one of the weird things. Like the staff should be here, uh, but then they get into the wine room, and there's a couple bottles left. But it looks like a lot. Like they might have been left in a hurry. Yeah. And one of the cops, being an OPD, uh, cracks open the bottle and takes a swig. Oh, it's blood. And starts to regurgitate because it's blood and absinthe. 
Blood and abs. Wow, what a what a fucking party animal this guy is. Well, some stories it's just blood, but the thing is, is that if you had a bottle of just blood without some other non-coagulant mixed in, it would just coagulate. It, it would just turn into sludge. But the supposedly adding absinthe to the blood kept it loose and mixed enough to where it wouldn't coagulate, wouldn't freeze, or it's just one hell of a cocktail for a vampire, I guess. And he was gone, but however, people still swear. And if you take any ghost tour and they talk about it, he might be out there today. Mm -hmm. I think that's. But the thing is, is that he's become a boogeyman in New Orleans. Like, it's like don't walk around at night. Saint Germain's afoot. You know, it's and we've been there. We know that there's people who think they're vampires walking through New Orleans. Oh yeah, there's I a mean, whole there's a whole culture there. Well, I mean, that's also where they have the endless night vampire ball for. Uh, used to be the Sabretooth clan, but they. I think they broke the folks in New Orleans broke away, but it's it's endless nights. It's like one of the actual big vampire balls, and we have friends that have gone to it. We got friends that worked it. Hell, I was almost security there one time. So it's one of those of there are people who actually like there's the people who do that for fun and all that, and then there's yeah. people who actually believe that Saint Germain yeah. is still right, and, stalking the streets. Right, and it, it kind of feeds in because one of the other things we'll talk about are the Ursuline monks and the casket girls or the casquettes. Uh, which is another reason why New Orleans has this like whole vampire motif, and also like really to to break it down. And before I get back to the point, New Orleans like one of the most European cities in the United States. It has some of that vibe. Yeah, well, New Orleans always has like, like when you go to any major city, and in a way, when you go to New Orleans, in some places, there is like if you go to New York City, a lot of New York City looks like every other city when you go to new orleans there's like a specific culture there and i'm not saying that new york doesn't have culture don't come at me anyone from nyc uh but there's a specific culture there that you can instantly recognize it also helps that i mean that's even though new orleans really isn't the center of the francophones of louisiana it's still like you go there most of the streets have a French spelling to their name mm. or you look at the architecture once you get into the quarter and it's different I mean heck, you can go through the rest of New Orleans and see a lot of different and, and still see mm. a lot of older different I mean heck our friend Don has a basement in New Orleans and just in general like going in there and just like into the French quarter you do feel like you're transported into a different area entirely like especially at night yeah it, like you could be, you know, going into downtown New Orleans and it feels fairly modern, but then you go into like the French Quarter and it's like, yeah. Once you leave the CBD and you get into the actual French Quarter, it's a completely different vibe. And if you go uptown to Carrollton or if you get over near Audubon Park, it's still you got some hundred plus year old, two hundred plus year old houses yeah. in some places, and it's a completely different energy. Something that it does remind me of is the uh, colonial housing in, like, the eastern, like, the colonial states. Like, mm -hmm. if you go to, like, Rhode Island or Virginia or places like that, uh, you'll see, like, the colonial houses and, like, the very specifically, like, shaped houses with, like, the weird windows and shit. That's, like, being transported into that era. This is how a story like St. Germain can gain credence and believability because New Orleans and some of these other places still have their old school sections, their old classical areas. You could almost believe that fairy tale, that legend, 
walks amongst it because it you're not in your normal suburban or your mm. even if you live out in the rural areas there is very much a generic american building style like the ranch house like almost everything is a ranch or a bungalow and that's not mm. that's not that energy so you could believe saint germain walks the streets of new orleans because even in some parts of new orleans they still have the bricks it's not paved it's yeah ev- well i shouldn't say it's paved it's just not asphalt yeah, and a lot of the stuff is, it, like, you go into certain areas and it still looks like it connects to the French Quarter, connects to the older parts of the city just by, like, stepping out. I don't know what I'm trying to say there. Like, no, it, but... it's... Because, I mean, I got a lot of the stuff that I got is going to end up coming back to the city of New Orleans because that's like our... I'll be honest to anybody that's listening. If you're talking about a story in Lenore, in Louisiana, you're either going to have it happen in New Orleans or it's happening in a swamp. Like, even the Princess Frog from Disney hit those tropes because that's just, that's considered the cultural heart of the state. But the big thing with this, uh, with, with St. Germain, he is now an urban legend. He's used to kind of, was kind of used to explain why people might just disappear. Yeah. And he is also responsible for a New Orleans cocktail. Do you okay. want to hear about it? Is it like uh, blood and absinthe? No, 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 no. Uh, that would get you illegal because, hey, did you know this? In the city of New Orleans, it is illegal to drink more than a pint of human blood. That's a very specific... Oh, no. It, it is a law that exists, but every time I hear it, my first thought is, God damn it, Lestat. Well, it's also like one of those things like, don't chain your alligator to a hydrant. Like Someone That's a that very way. specific... <laughs> Law where they had to be like, okay, someone did this dumb shit. Time to put it on the books. Yeah. Yeah, we got that. And legit, that is for anybody that's outside the state. That is literally a law in the city of New Orleans. It's illegal to chain an alligator to a fire hydrant. Because somebody did it. Now, here is Jacques the Elder. Two ounces of bourbon, starting off good. One ounce of St. Germain liqueur, which I believe is a hazelnut. It might be hazelnut. I think it's hazelnut. Uh, we could actually ask Bosch next door because he keeps St. Germain to cook with. Oh. Uh, then you get one ounce of lemon juice, two ounces of a ginger beer, and then you add either a lemon wedge or a piece of candied ginger to it. And I want to try this. Like, this sounds... That actually sounds that really sounds good. That sounds really good. It's It goes in a way I didn't expect, but... Like, I, I was really, really expecting... And there's other ones. Like, if you go to the vampire bar, I'm sure there's... There's the, the, the blood and absinthe one. Like, they add, like, cherry liqueur or some type of yeah. red liquor to the... You see, that's kind of what I was expecting because of the legend. But, like, that sounds a lot better than, this, this, like, this any... Does. I like absinthe. I don't like a lot of absinthe cocktails because, like, they run on the novelty of its... Like, of ab- its taste? Of its... Ab- like, it's like, okay, look, don't mix Midori and absinthe. Oh, jeez. Like, that, that is oh, a sweet... No. That's a sweet melon mixed with licorice. That is... Now, a death in the afternoon, which is champagne and absinthe, is pretty lovely. Just don't drink five of them on your birthday. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember that. So, but, I'm going to bite a fucking road sign. Yeah. Yeah. Any case. Uh, so, uh, I'm going to boil it down to, like, what do you think about St. Germain with this? I think he's very interesting. I like the idea of uh, a man of mystery of sorts. Like... You know, he throws so much bullshit out there that it, it's just caused all these stories to kind of reverberate back. And now he's 
he's like this local legend in New Orleans. Uh, maybe that's not where he thought his legacy would be, but I mean, you know, not many people have myths and legends about them. So that's true. Now, I mean, now here's the deal. I am going to go out and say something that is very odd for me, mostly because it's, I, I feel this way about Bigfoot as well. I'm going to opt to say St. Germain is in New Orleans because mm-hmm. two reasons. One, it's fun. Mm-hmm. It is very fun too. I have also been in New Orleans at night and had the whole city go dead quiet around me for two blocks. Oh yeah, that's that's some and freaky shit. That's terrifying because that's a there is a predator out. That is like when the swamp or the woods go quiet. Shit, something's going on. So when all of a sudden the entire city of New Orleans, which does not sleep, and I'm only a couple blocks away from Bourbon, and all of a sudden it goes dead quiet. I'm like, all right, this is the city letting me know. Go back to the hotel. It's and time I'm to gonna, go. I'm gonna choose that. That was the city warning me that somebody <laughs> with a, a bathrobe and a a wine glass full of absinthe and blood was just around the corner trying to uh, trying to seduce me into. Uh, you into, said, oh, "I'm sorry, go ahead." I was going to say, trying to seduce me into a Baldur's Gate three relationship that results in me dying. Yeah, you just you you put the Asterian thing in my head. Now I'm just picturing Asterian in New Orleans, which would be fitting. Well, I mean, it, go, go Google him later. All the pictures he is very Rococo because that was the style of that point. So, and that kind of. That kind of gives me the Asterian vibe, too. The feathered hair, the fancy clothes. Well, I mean, Baldur's Gate 3, like, there's the very Rococo, uh, Renaissance, Rococo, like, sort of that, you could tell they're pulling from both of those sort of areas, but that's for a whole other thing. Thank you, Hewitt, for this really good story. Well, thank you for actually sitting and listening to me uh, talk about probably the greatest French con man, might not even be French, but one of the greatest European con men. Of the 1700s. French, so. European, American. I mean, it's all the yeah. same. Con man vampire. Maybe. There we go. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if you would like to uh, listen to this, we will have more of these up here soon. I'm not exactly sure when everything's going to be thrown into the podcatchers. But you can also find uh, both Chris and I involved with uh, Team Bonus Action, our uh, RPG group who works for charity. Uh, I don't know if this will be up beforehand, but we are currently partnering with... Uh, Children's Batson's, Batson's uh, Children's Hospital. In Jackson through the Children's Miracle Network with Extra Life. So anything donated uh, between the months of, well, now in September to December will go to uh, that and help parents not have to pay for medical bills or, or choose to pay between medical bills or house bills. So no parent should ever have to worry about can they take care of their child and keep a house over their head, a roof over their head. Uh, also, you can find us at TeamBonusAction.com or on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, not Twitter, Twitch, Threads. Hopefully Blue and, Sky here soon. And Instagram as Team Bonus Action. You can find us on Twitter as uh, Bonus underscore Team. And that's us. Uh, thank you for listening. Y'all have a good day. <laughs>